All right, I'm going to be able to preach now for like 10 minutes. Here we go. If you have your Bibles or if you have a smart device, turn to the book of John chapter 11. The book of John chapter 11. I want to try to finish this sermon that I started two weeks ago. Uh, it's, the, the title of the sermon is Revival. And uh, how many could use a little bit of revival this morning? A anybody here with me? Uh, in this story, it's a very famous story. It's a story of a man by the name of Lazarus. And this story is a story of a man named Lazarus and his family. Now, this family had a very personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They loved God and they served God. And one of the things that we try to, to help everybody understand, if you're new to Restoration Life or if you're new to Christianity uh, at all, one of the things that we wanted to drive home that God put on my heart a couple weeks ago was that just because you're, you're saved and just because you're a Christian and just because you have a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean that you're never going to experience any hardships in life. And we all need to capture this right now and we all need to download this right now because I think far too often a lot of people think, well, because I'm Christian and because I'm saved... That, that means that I'm never, ever going to go through any hardship in my life. That means that for the rest of my life, my life is going to be all kumbaya. That means my wife, she's going to be perfect. That means my man, he's going to be perfect. My kids are going to be perfect. My, my finances are going to be perfect. For the rest of my life, I'm going to be walking on water. And how many know that that's not true? How many know that Jesus said things like this, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. He said things like, if they persecuted me, if they hated me, they are going to persecute you and they are going to hate you. He said things like, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, or the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so we need to understand that as Christians that you are going to experience seasons of hardships, that you are going to experience times where things don't make sense and life just comes at you and sometimes a lot of it is by self-inflicted bad decisions and sometimes it's just stuff that comes at you that you have absolutely no control over. And one of the things that we try to drive home is that a relationship with God does not exclude you from life's hardships. In fact, Ecclesiastics said, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to dine. And then in chapter 11, he says that he is making everything beautiful in his time. And what you need to hear this morning is that you might be going through something pretty difficult today. Or you might be experiencing something kind of heavy on your heart or on your family or on your life or maybe on your faith. But you, you need to be reminded that God is going to make everything beautiful in his time. Can anybody say amen? amen? And so we understand that some things can be controlled, some things cannot be controlled. And we talked a little bit about this. And so Jesus steps into the scene when Mary and Ma Martha send a message to him and says, Hey, Lazarus, the one that you love, he's sick and we need you to come. And, and we expect... When we send a message to Jesus, when we pray, that he's going to respond in our time the way that we want him to. We expect that, don't we? But the reality is that God doesn't always respond to our prayers that, the way that we want him to respond to our prayers. 
And he doesn't always respond in the time frame that, he want, that, that we want him to respond to. And so what does Jesus do when he gets the message? He doesn't take off right away. He stays a couple days longer. And if you look at his response, you would think, why? Why would Jesus delay coming to the aid of somebody that he loves and someone who is serving him? And one of the key points that we drove home, I'm just trying to catch you up real quick, is because Jesus had a purpose for their problem. Jesus had a purpose for their pain. Jesus had a purpose for what they were experiencing. It wasn't anything that he inflicted upon Lazarus. It wasn't anything that he caused to happen. Lazarus just got sick. But Jesus uses the opportunity in the sovereignty of God to step into it and create a miracle that would bring glory to God, amen, and give Lazarus something that we all have that I'll share at the end of this message this morning. So Jesus had a purpose for the pain that Mary and Martha were experiencing as well. Here they are waiting for God. It's like, God, when are you going to show up? Jesus, when are you going to show up? Have you ever found yourself there? Come on, God, I'm in trouble. Man, this thing is getting serious now. I, I, I can't pay my rent, or, or I don't feel the way that I used to feel about this relationship, or, man, my faith is, is withering, and it's dying. It's actually in a state of sickness, and God, I need you to respond to the message, to the prayer, and God doesn't show up. God is delayed for some reason, and we understand that, that, that as he delays, there is a purpose in his delay, but God will never deny you. He's always going to respond. And some, somebody needs to hear this this morning. That there is a purpose for your pain, and there is a reason for your season. You're not just going through stuff just to go through stuff. Even, even in the self-inflicted things that you go through, because you'll reap what you sow, God will still work things out in the midst of all of it. Come on. You know, I, I, I could see, you know, God stepping in right away to something I had no control over. But I feel like when we, when we sabotage our faith, when we sabotage our own life by the decisions that we make, you, you could probably say, well, I understand why God's not responding to my prayer right now, but, but God isn't the way that you and I are. He's not like, well, you deserve what you're getting right now because you're being stupid. Right? That's not how he is. In his sovereignty, he steps into your mess, right? He steps into your mess and he fixes everything if you'll just adhere to the direction and the wisdom of the word that he gives you through what you're going through. And so Jesus unveils his purpose behind Lazarus's problem. Remember, this is key. He said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for whose glory? It is for God's glory that the, that, so that God's Son may be glorified. So we talked a little bit about how God might be delayed, but you're never denied. Your timing is not God's timing. Your thoughts are not God's thoughts. And so the purpose was so that God would get the glory or that people's attention would be taking off of Lazarus and put it on God himself. And so there are a couple of things that we can learn from this because the things that we go through in life can be used to draw attention to God. This is important. Look at John chapter 11, verse 13. The Bible says that Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed that he was talking about natural sleep. 
Then Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go and see him. And so let me remind you about what Jesus does. Jesus unveils another purpose for his pain, for the pain of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. So not only was God going to get the glory, but the miracle was so that other people's faith could also be increased in God. And so sometimes the things that you and I go through aren't about you and I. They're about somebody else and their faith being increased through our obedience to God in the midst of what we go through. Because listen, church, you're going to go through it. Whether you like it or not, you're going to go through some stuff. But as you navigate through it and you stay obedient to God through it, other people will see your faith in God and say, man, if they can get through it and they can go through it and they can go through it and God can get them on the other side of it, man, I want to serve the kind of God that they have in their life because they've got something that I don't have and I need in my own life. Can I suggest that God will sometimes allow some things in your life to grow someone else's faith? So here it is. Jesus finally arrives at the scene, and not only is Lazarus dead, but he had been dead for four days. By this time, he was legally pronounced dead. And so Jesus arrives after they had already prepared the body for burial, wrapped it, and put it in the tomb. Let me tell you, sometimes Jesus will wait to show up when everything is at a loss. Nobody can do anything about it, but God can. But God can. And so Jesus arrives after the body had already started to decay, it had already started to decompose, and it started to stink. And let me just say this to somebody here this morning. Your life might stink right now, but Jesus gets stepping in the middle of everything that's happening, and he could resurrect that dead thing back to life because God is in the business of, of resurrecting dead things. And so Jesus arrives when it's bad, when it's horrible, when the house is already burnt down. He arrives when everything is decomposing and everything is smelling and everything is stinking. One of the girls doesn't want to come out of the house and the other girl saying, had you have come, had you have arrived when I sent you the message, had you have been here when I What we need to hear is that we can't just sit there and, 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 and complain about why God didn't show up when he didn't show up. We got to stay faithful and wait on God to show up because when he does, everything changes. And I wonder if anyone here this morning is going through something that just reeks of death. It just reeks of death. Because I find out that too many Christians complain too much about had God have done this when we were going through that. Had God had showed up when I was experienced this, the outcome would have been different. The reality is, had you have just stayed faithful. Come on. The situation for Mary and Martha and Lazarus goes from bad to worse. And we know that Lazarus dies. And, and she's basically saying, had you have shown up sooner, that wouldn't have happened. Jesus had... You intervened earlier, my marriage wouldn't be where it's at right now. Jesus, had you have answered my prayer when I asked for it, my life wouldn't be where it's at right now. God, had you had shown up sooner, I, I would have got that job. I would have got that promotion. I would have got that rave. God, life really stinks for me right now. 
It was a terrible situation. But you gotta, you gotta know that there is a message in the mess that you're experiencing right now. And so here's my third point. Here, here are the, the three things that I want to drive home, and I'm going to try to drive these things home as fast as I can. Nothing, everybody say nothing. nothing. Nothing is ever too far gone that God cannot resurrect it back to life. There is absolutely nothing absolutely nothing that you and I will experience in this lifetime that God cannot resurrect back to life. The message is that God wants to bring something you've already buried, something you've already mourned, something you've already wrapped up in grave clothes back to life. God wants to revive something in your life that's already been declared by the world as dead. God wants to bring something back to life that family members and friends have said there's no hope to. God wants to bring something back to life that the enemy has already said there is no hope and no future for you. God is in the business of bringing dead things back, come on, to life. He wants to revive hope in you. Somebody needs a revival of hope this morning. He wants to revive joy. Come on, when was the last time you experienced the joy of the Lord? I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is temporal. Joy can last eternally. Come on. Happiness is what happens to you. Joy is something that God gives you. Come on, he wants to revive love back in your life. He wants to revive purpose back in your future. He wants to revive vision and dreams and gifts. He wants you to know that even though your marriage might stink right now and it reeks of death because it's decomposing, because it's wrapped in death clothes, he can bring that dead thing back to life. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? Is there anybody in here that really needs revival? Because you're going to have to trust God because he's not going to come on your time. He's not going to come the way that you want him to come. He's going to come when he's ready to come. And when he comes, what's going to happen is a revival is going to take place. You just need to hold on. You just need to hold on in faith to Jesus. Here, here, here's my fourth point. Your revival is tied to your relationship with Jesus. Desperation is the breeding grounds for miracles. And if your revival is, is, is contingent on a relationship to another human being, you're always going to lose. Let me say this to a bunch of Christians at Restoration Life. Your revival is not connected to a worship service. Your revival is not connected to a sermon preached on Sunday. Your revival is not connected to some other preacher that you watch on YouTube. Your revival is not connected to, uh, on anything that anyone in this church does or does not do for you. Your revival is not connected to the, the, the ministry or the expression of ministry of restoration life. Your revival is, is only contingent on the personal relationship that you have to Jesus Christ. Period, 
end of story. Because as a pastor and as a leader and as a human being, I'm going to fail you. I'm never going to meet up to some of your standards. And neither will a lot of other people in this church. I'm not going to be able to be all that you need me to be. The church is not going to be able to be all that you need it to be. The worship team isn't always going to sing your favorite songs. <laughs> the temperature isn't always going to be right for everybody in this room. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Your miracle is not tied to a human being. It's tied to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you need to get that in you. Because too many people, too many people, and I would even say Restoration Lifers, go from week to week serving God like they're living from paycheck to paycheck. You get a little bit, you spend some. You're all out, you come back for some more. You get a little bit, you spend some. Amen. You run out, you come back for some more. And you think that revival is linked to that lifestyle, and it never will be. It'll always fail you. You will always come out on the other side of that broke. But when you hold on to your relationship in Jesus, you are rich. And you will never, ever run out. And you don't have to go from week to week or service to service or sermon to sermon or song to song. You can wake up and experience revival every single day of your life because you are linked to the master. You have a personal relationship with Jesus, with him. Now, I love our church. I think it is the best church in the South Bay. I think it is the most amazing church on the planet but nobody can give you revival like jesus can nobody so your revival is tied to your relationship to jesus watch john chapter 11 verse 40 jesus looked at her and said didn't i tell you that if you will believe in me you will see god unveil his power. I don't know who this word for is this morning, but some of you got to stop believing in the structure of the church. Some of you got to stop believing in other human beings and start believing in Jesus again so that he can unveil his power in your life and you can experience the revival and the resurrection that you've been looking for. Now don't get me wrong, the church has its purpose. The church has a purpose for itself, but it can't give you what... That what only Jesus can give you. We are an expression, an extension of Jesus Christ. But we are not Jesus. Come on. I think too many people leave church because of other people. Come to me and tell me you're leaving because Jesus hasn't been there for you. Then I'll understand. But don't come to me and tell me you're leaving because of other people. This is a growth moment right now. This is a growth moment. Is this okay? Because there's nothing too hard for God to do in your life when you have a personal relationship with God. Can I tell you, can I tell you right now that it's not over until God says it's over. And when he says it's over, you're going to be in his presence in heaven anyway. So either way, it's a win-win. You can kill me now, I'll be in his presence. He can take me now, I'll be in his presence. It's a win-win for me. It's a win-win for you. There's nothing too hard 
for God. And so your breakthrough this morning is, 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 is this, your breakthrough this morning is not constrained by your hopelessness. It's released by the power of God's love for you. Your situation and circumstance that you're going through isn't something that God says, nah, I don't want to get involved with that. In fact, I might be the one that says that. Yeah, I don't want to touch that. Not with a 10-foot pole. I'm not qualified to touch that. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? But God says, no problem. That's easy. All you got to do is do what I tell you to do. Be obedient, and you're going to come out on the other side of this better than when you walked into it. Your breakthrough is not tied to the status of your situation or circumstance. Your breakthrough is tied to the status of your relationship to God the Father through Jesus Christ's Son. Period. End of story. Jesus' reply was tied to Martha's faith, not Lazarus' body. Now watch this. This word believe in our text is the same word for faith. In other words, what he's telling Martha is, is he said, if you have faith in me, if you just have faith in me, you're going to see a revival take place. So no matter where you are, no matter where you're going through, no matter what situation you're experiencing, your situation isn't too hard for God to fix. Come on, so your deliverance is not tied, come on, to the status of your circumstance, but to the status of your relationship to Jesus. So i got to ask you, how's your relationship with God? I have to ask. Because when people are struggling and they want to throw in the towels because their relationship with Jesus started to fragment. You can always look back at somebody's life, and you can always see when they started backsliding. Because they don't backslide when they leave the church. They backslide sitting in a pew listening to a sermon like this. How's your relationship to Jesus? Because if you have a strong relationship to Jesus, you'll always be able to experience resurrection power. Unconditionally. But if you have a relationship with this world, you could, you'll, guaranteed you'll always experience death. Guaranteed. If you can believe the Holy Spirit can achieve, you need to download what God has to say. John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44. When he had said this, if I could have the worship team come up. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now you got to remember, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Lazarus is decomposing. Lazarus smells. He stinks. He reeks of death. And I wonder if there's anybody here this morning whose situation reeks of death. A relationship is died, and it reeks of death. A purpose has died, and it reeks of death. There's no vision. There's no hope. There's no future. We've listened to the lies of the enemy, and yet Jesus shows up, and he says, Lazarus, come out. And the Bible says that the dead man, in John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44, leave that scripture up, you guys, says, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Everybody say, come out. Some of you need to come out of the mausoleum that the enemy has put you in. Some of you might be smelling a little bit. Your faith is a little smelly this morning. Because you allowed somebody to lie to you and you believed that lie and you downloaded that lie. And now that lie is permeated throughout your family and your children and maybe even your purpose and your future. And you just feel like 
man, I don't have what I believe God wants me to have today. That's because you believe the lie. It's because you gave in to the enemy. That's because you started living in disobedience. Whatever the reason might be, Jesus says, dead man, the dead man came out, and his hands and his feet were wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Some of us have gone through some things and we've allowed ourselves because we had no no other means to fight against it because of the circumstance situation. And we spiritually died. Now if you know anything about burial back then that they would they would anoint your body and they would put all kinds of fragrances on you because they knew that your body would decompose, but they would wrap you up somewhat like a mummy. The Bible says that his hands and his feet, his eyes were all wrapped in linen cloth. And I want you just to maybe imagine this with me. Here's, here's Lazarus. He died. Jesus didn't come to his rescue, but he thought he would. Jesus didn't show up when he was at the peak of his hurt. Jesus wasn't there when he took his last breath. And here's Lazarus. He's in a tomb. He's all mummified. And then the word that brings forth life, Jesus spoke life. Lazarus, come out. And I could just imagine life come back into Lazarus. And he opens his eyes. And there's something over his eyes. He can't see. And I could just imagine him like sitting up and thinking to himself, where am I? What's going on? All I know is I was dead. But I have life in me now. But he's still wrapped up. He's still wrapped up. And I feel like this is the perfect picture for so many Christians. You were dead in your sin. And Jesus gave you new life. But you're still wrapped up. You still can't move. You still can't walk. You can't even see right because you're still wrapped up. And God's calling you to come out of that cave. He's saying, come on. I've given you life and life more abundantly. Come out. Somebody help him. Take those grave clothes off of him. And this is what you do need to hear about the church. Is though even though the church isn't perfect, and the spirit it is, she's the bride of Christ. And you may have walked into this place dead in your sin. And you may experience the breath of life this morning. But you're going to need other people to come and help unwrap 
the things that have held you bound and unwrap the things that are keeping you from walking right in Christ and unwrap the things that are holding you back from stepping into everything that God has for you. We need each other. Can anybody say amen? Someone here has been waving, wearing their grave clothes far too long and you still smell like death when God wants you to smell like a fragrance of praise that gives glory to Him and Him alone. So here's Lazarus. He gets up and he hears Jesus. He hears the author and the finisher of our faith saying, come out. Now you got to forgive me because my mind just goes places. Because when you first start walking in this new life, it doesn't look really good. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like you're struggling a little bit. Here's Lazarus. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> but it's when the body of Christ gets around him and says, come on, man, let me help you unravel all the garbage that has held you in a dead place because God's got new life for you. Here's my last point. Here's my last point. Satan is always out to destroy your testimony. Watch this. John chapter 12, verse 9, because Lazarus is now, he's alive. He's unwrapped his grave, they've unwrapped his grave clothes. So here's the testimony of a man who was dead for four days, who stunk, and now can say, hey, once I was dead, <laughs> but now I'm alive. I don't understand it all. I don't know how it happened. All I know is I heard the word of God speak life over me. And I stepped out. And my family helped me unravel and take off all the stuff that was binding me to death. And now here's Lazarus. He's got a testimony, a life that would preach and bring glory to God. And in John chapter 12, verse 9 and 11, the Bible says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Lazarus, or that Jesus, was there and came not only because of him, but also, watch, to see Lazarus. And so the chief, uh, see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Watch. I need you to hear this this morning, and this is for everybody in this room, and this is for every service that we've been able to minister in. You need to protect your testimony with everything that you have within you. Because your testimony of what God has done in your life is going to draw other people to Jesus. Your testimony and the integrity of your testimony is going to bring glory to God. And the enemy is always going to be out to destroy who you are now in Jesus Christ. If he can destroy your testimony, he can render you ineffective and powerless by trying to get you all wrapped up in your old living, in your old ways, in your old thinking, in your old ways of hopelessness. And even now, even now the enemy is trying to wrap you back up in old grave clothes, trying to get you to talk the way that you used to talk, to try to get you to think the way you used to think, to try to get you to live the way that you used to live. But God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light to give you 
a testimony. And that testimony isn't to make you famous, it's to make Jesus famous. And so the enemy wants your testimony. Guard it at your workplace. Guard your testimony in your house. Guard your testimony by all means on social media. Guard your testimony for you will overcome the enemy by the blood of Jesus and the integrity of your word and your testimony of who you are in Christ Jesus. God gave you a testimony so that you could testify. Yeah, I was once dead, but Jesus brought me back to life. Yeah, my marriage was dying and decaying and it was all over and I got served but I'm here to declare that my marriage got served with the power of God I'm here to declare that my marriage got served with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that my kids have been served with his anointing and his power and his purpose they have a testimony oh it might not look like that right now but one day they're going to preach the gospel one day they're going to reach other people one day I'm going to see my kids raised up to be a legacy that gives glory to God. Would you stand to your feet this morning?